Hey, everybody, before we get to this bonus episode, one of my most downloaded episodes of all time um, with Jody Moore, I just wanted to encourage you to head over to tonyoverbay.com slash magnetic. Round two of the Magnetic Marriage course is coming soon. And if you heard the podcast earlier in this week with Preston Pugmire, we talked about a lot of the, the success, things we learned from the first round of the Magnetic Marriage course, and uh, it was better than anticipated. So go there now, either listen to that episode earlier this week, or go to tonyoverbay.com slash magnetic and get in line, find out what all the kids are talking about the next round of the Magnetic Marriage course. Okay, let's get to today's bonus episode with Jody Moore. special bonus episode of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay, licensed marriage and family therapist and certified mindful habit coach and writer, speaker, husband, father of four, all those things that I like to say at the beginning of each episode. And today in this bonus episode, I've been almost doing what I would call a series. This is a series of some of the most downloaded episodes in the history of The Virtual Couch. So some 250 something plus episodes later, and uh, I don't know, three, four million downloads. I haven't looked at the stats in a while, which is a funny thing in and of itself. In the beginning days of any podcast, I think any honest podcaster will tell you they become somewhat obsessed with their statistics. And over time, it, uh, it doesn't hold the allure that it once did. But I'm so grateful for anybody who takes the time to listen, download, share, any of those things, the Virtual Couch Podcast. But today's guest is one of those that is in the top 10 of most downloaded episodes in the history of the Virtual Couch, and that's Jody Moore. Jody Moore is a life coach, and I'm on her website right now, which is funny because when I had her on way back in the day, I think it was episode 34, she had a website and her she was kind of known as a Bold New Mom. And at that time, she was moving over. So now you can just simply find her at jodymoore.com. And uh, she says she's a mother of four, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and a woman trying to figure out how to minimize resentment, overwhelm, and guilt and replace them with happiness, gratitude, and joy. And one of the reasons that I loved having Jody on my podcast so much back in the day is because I was, like I say, 34 episodes in. She was the 34th episode. And I did a, a home in a way or a home and home series with her where I went on her podcast and she came on mine. And I didn't know the impact that she was having in helping women become their, their best selves, getting their confidence back. And once I had her on my podcast, it was just absolutely phenomenal, the response that I got and the amount of downloads just jumped by leaps and bounds. And from that point, I really feel like the virtual couch was off and it even gained, it got me access to, to more guests that even had more people that, that followed them, which brought more people to the virtual couch. So I'm really grateful for Jody Moore and for her having me on her show and for her coming on my show. So what I think is fun about this episode is I am a huge fan of origin stories and you know, there's so many um, movies out there and the DC Marvel universe, I'll be the first to admit. And I even have a podcast where I had a couple of people on that talked extensively about this where I'm not exactly sure who's in the DC universe, who's in the Marvel universe, but I do enjoy those movies. But the thing I enjoy the most is when I get an origin story, when I find out how somebody became the person that they are. Even before I became a therapist, I was fascinated by biographies, autobiographies, and I love nothing more than to watch documentaries about people. I would uh, My Audible account is filled with stories of people and what makes them tick, all of those wonderful things. So I feel like in looking back over this episode as I was getting ready to, to release this one, 
and listening and, and editing a few things, cleaning some things up that this is more like Jody's origin story where she talks about making that change from working in corporate America to then stepping out on her own and helping coach people into what has become a thriving business, a thriving empire where she has helped hundreds, I'm sure thousands of people be a better version of themselves. So I love for you to sit back, relax, enjoy this bonus episode, the origin story about Jody Moore. And uh, before I even click into the music here, the one that talks about come on in and take a seat on the virtual couch, which is a fun song that was made just for the podcast. Let me do a quick bit of business and just suggest that if you are thinking about getting help um, and you want to go see a therapist, a counselor, and right now they're hard to get into. I will tell you, it's hard for me to find people to even refer people to, then I would recommend taking a look at the online therapy world. So take a look at betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. You're going to get 10% off your first month's services and you, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to those you love, those who you have in your life, but, but really to you, to just take a look at some of the things that might be um, stumbling blocks that are in your life, things that might be getting you down. If you're struggling with a little bit of anxiety, depression, OCD, um, just in, in, in your thought process, your thought patterns, you can go take a look at betterhelp.com slash virtual couch and a very quick assessment. You could be up and running talking to a licensed professional counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist uh, in your area within 24 to 48 hours. And you can do it via email or text or Zoom or in person, whatever you the you're going to find a way to communicate with somebody in a way that works for you. So go try betterhelp.com slash virtual couch today. Get 10% off your first month's um, fees. And then they do have these scholarships and adjusted rates and sliding scales and that sort of thing too. So with that said, let's get to this bonus episode where you're going to get to learn the origin story of Jody Moore. Hey, so this is a bonus episode. I couldn't help myself. When I was editing this episode, this bonus episode with Jody Moore, at the beginning of the episode, after I had welcomed everybody to the show, I gave a sneak preview to an upcoming episode with a, uh, a woman named Caitlin Markham that used to work in my office. And Caitlin's been on the virtual couch twice, uh, wants to talk about disordered eating and wants to talk about dating in the modern age. And those are fantastic episodes if you want to go take a look and find those. Maybe I'll put those in the show notes. But she told a story at the end of one of the episodes that I still to this day makes me laugh. And I forgot that I had included that in this Jody Moore sneak preview. So this is just a clip uh, at the end of one of those episodes with Caitlin Markham, and then we'll get to the episode with Jody Moore. So enjoy this clip. It's one of the funniest things that I've heard on the Virtual Couch podcast. Caitlin, before we end, tell us about that cat scratch on your hand. Oh, I, it's my fault, <laughs> she said in her toxic relationship. I got a cat when I was nine, and I was obsessed with Mariah Carey at the time, so I named her Mariah Kitty. Oh! And she is a diva. And I don't know what I was thinking. Of course she's going to be a diva, and so she scratched me the other day. And people keep on asking me if I have a cat, and I'm like, yeah, why? And I think I have cat hair, and they're like, no, no like, it's that a, gash it's on your hand. giant gash on your hand. Yeah. yeah. Mariah Kitty. Mariah Kitty. That's impressive. I think that that is probably the way we end this podcast. I mean... Any other way? No. Okay. I hope that did not disappoint. I cannot get Mariah Kitty and the fact that she was a diva out of my head. I hear that thing. Whenever I'm feeling down, I just play that clip from Caitlin.
when I finally looked you up and you run a very tight uh, fortress, I could not find direct contact information. Oh, right? really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not how I changed that. No, no, it's not. No, I think I can understand because I wonder if you did just have a, a big glaring email address on your front page, how many yeah. emails would you get a day? I used to have that and I used to get a lot. And now yeah. I try to direct everyone to that Ask Jody call. Which is perfect. But, I mean, yeah. I get that. So I think when I found you and I did the horrible, I stalked you in a very lovely, friendly way. And then I found your Facebook information and it said that you were in Roseville, which is, uh, you know, that's where I'm at right now. So I was like, yeah. holy cow, like Jody, come on in and we can do the podcast. And But you're no longer in Roseville. I'm not there. I was there just a couple of years ago though. Yeah. And then, and then we moved to Rockland and now we're in Washington state. So I just haven't updated my Facebook profile, I guess. <laughs> that's okay. You're a busy person, which is a good thing. How long, how long were you in this area? We were in that area for about five years. Okay. And we loved it there. We were in Southern Cal before that. And then Washington's where I grew up. So my husband got a job offer up here and I have lots of family here. So it was kind of a dream come true for us to move up here. So we love California. We miss it, but especially right now where it's 30 degrees outside here. Oh yeah. If I turned the webcam around, you'd be a little jealous right now. Uh, Yes, I would. (laughs) I did bring a jacket in today though, just in case. Nice. Just in case a jacket, right? Like a little sweatshirt. Lightweight. Yeah. Jacket. (laughs) Hey, anything you miss in particular about this area of Northern California? I miss all the good restaurants. That's Um, where I was going. Yeah. What, what, what what were your go-to? Because I mean, my, well, part I, of my audience and when I say good, yeah, you'll, this is, this will teach you a lot about my family and I. We miss Chick Fil A. Oh, <laughs> we miss like Chick Fil A. Yeah. 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 I mean, the chain restaurants, but they were like, we had our favorite places and we all had a dessert. We loved at CPK. So that was like our go-to yeah. night out. And Spokane has actually a lot of local restaurants, which are probably amazing. We just haven't gotten out and figured out which ones we like. So sure. a very quick question. And, and the people, very, of course, we missed the people. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, Chick-fil-A, are you a, a nugget or a chicken sandwich? Oh, um, this is what you have to get at Chick-fil-A. The grilled nuggets. Okay. With the Chick-fil-A sauce yes, and then right. the, the kale salad, which doesn't sound good, is no. delicious there. All right. You lost me on the kale salad, but the, <laughs> the Chick-fil-A sauce I'm in, we can continue yeah. at least with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that that's okay. We're, now, let me ask you too, were you starting to, were you doing the, the coaching while you were here? In yeah, I did. I started it actually while I was there. So I've been coaching for almost four years now. And wow. so okay. I want to get into, I want to get into well, how that started. Okay. Uh, can I tell a very quick, vulnerable, embarrassing anecdote about? Please do. Okay. Yes. So the way that I found out about you was I, as my podcast is, as I've got more episodes out there, I have had several people tell me, Hey, have you heard of bold new mom? And so then I was like, Oh, I'll have to check this out. Maybe I can, maybe I can have her on help her out a little bit. And I go to your mm-hmm. iTunes. It's like 8,000, you know, five-star reviews and, <laughs> and everybody just loving in the, in your coaching practices. You're so busy that you're not necessarily taking on the one-on-one clients. And then I was like, wow, maybe she'll have, uh, maybe she'll take the time to field my email. So, Oh my gosh, that's so nice of you. I seriously am so honored that you'd have me on because I do get a lot of, well, you're just a fake therapist. Ah. People tell me and I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be a therapist, but you know, I'm counseling people. Right. So I get where that comes from, but I, so it says a lot about you that you're willing to even check out what I do. Not all therapists feel that way. Is just what I'll say. No, I I, can, you know, what's funny is I I can understand because there is a a lot of therapists get on their high horse about when someone tells them that they're, they've worked with a life coach and a therapist gets their dander up, but I kind of am of opinion where as long as we're all helping and I've listened to your podcast episodes and you give amazing advice. 
advice. You really do. Oh, thank you. Because you're here. And I think we were talking a little before, but I've actually started sending some folks your way and, and I've had some good feedback. So I appreciate the work that you're doing. So uh, awesome. Thank you. So tell me though, where I didn't realize. So four years ago, how did this all start? Maybe can you do a little bit of a, sure. Who is Jody? Where does she come oh, from? Gosh. You already know um, Chick-fil-A menu. So <laughs> other than Chick-fil-A. Yeah. So I, I worked in a corporate setting for a long time. I worked for the same company about 14 years. And at the end of my time there, I was doing leadership coaching. Okay. Um, I was a corporate trainer and a leadership coach. And so I was introduced to some coaching tools because my director there was a certified life coach. So she taught me the model, basic model I use now. And anyway, I just got a little taste of coaching in that corporate setting. And I loved it. I was like, this is, I mean, it was different than any other kind of corporate training I had ever offered. How so? Because um, I did 10 years in software before I became a therapist. Oh. And I remember doing the, you're always going to these trainings, some cheesy, some not, whatever. So right, right. What, what do you remember from that? What were some things? Well, so I remember before I started coaching and before I, I met this woman, Chris Plackey, who still does amazing leadership coaching, the way that you would help a manager, let's say, who was struggling would be to say, okay, so your employee's not performing. So what have you done? Did you write them up? Did you get them more training? And it was just yeah. really direct, basic, this is what you need to do, basically. Okay. And then I watched Chris Plackey one time coach a manager who had an employee that wasn't performing well, and she didn't talk about the employee at all. She uh, talked about the manager, about what was going on in his mind. Okay. And ultimately, she showed him that his belief when this employee doesn't do what he told her to do is that she doesn't respect him. Okay. And then when you have an employee that you think doesn't respect you, then... How does that impact your action? And ultimately for him, he, he avoids her. Sure. Okay. Which yeah. doesn't help her get any better at her job. Yeah. And, and I could see this manager and like his mind was blown, like what? <laughs> and so I, I was like, that is so much more powerful, right? Mm-hmm. Than just do this, do that. Some of that's necessary. But anyway, so it was, it w- was not what people were expecting in a corporate environment at all wasn't what they thought you were coming in to help them with, but it was so much more effective and helps people not just in their job, but in their lives. Sure. So I just totally fell in love with it. Did you get resistance from some of the old guard as far as this isn't productive? We need to tell people, here's what you do. Not really. No, because the results speak for themselves. So when the, the performance starts going up, they were like, great, keep doing what you're doing. I, I, we didn't get a lot of resistance. People really mostly were open to it. Okay. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. Uh, any, and I hate to put you on the spot, but any, any kind of uh, nice fun stories from corporate training days of things that didn't go right or went south? Oh my gosh. So, so many, where do I begin? I loved corporate training, actually, even putting on the events, like we would do kind of day long events where we'd pull people out of their cubicles and <laughs> into okay. a room. And I was lucky to get to have a team of trainers at about six or seven trainers that worked underneath me that were all amazing. And so we would send out surveys at the end of the day to ask for feedback on yeah. how the day went. And the number one thing, the number one complaint I should say was always whatever we serve for lunch. Oh, wow. <laughs> so okay. if we served pizza, they're like, why can't we have a nicer lunch? If we catered lunch, they're like, why can't we have pizza? Okay. I mean, it was like, we don't like thin crust pizza. We want thick crust pizza. So that was our running joke was like, we can never nail lunch. You can get everything but, but if that's our biggest complaint, I think we're doing pretty well. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. It was, it was fun. Now, I wonder if that speaks to the deep psychological need for people to want to complain. There's something right. There, there has to be yeah. something. Has to be something. It can't be all perfect. Well, all right. So you do the corporate training and that, that, that goes well. 
well? At what point did you start to look at, I can help individuals? Well, the company that I worked for laid off 80% of us. Wow. It was a huge company and they just made huge changes. And so um, at that point, I was pregnant with my third child. My husband was making good money at the time. So we kind of stopped and assessed and it was like, I don't need to work, quote unquote. Yeah. And I thought, okay, maybe I'm just going to be home for a little while. And shortly after that, Brooke Castillo, who owns the Life Coach School, who at that point lived in Folsom, Oh, right wow. near you there, right near yeah. Roseville, where I was at the time, decided to offer for the first time an in-person coach training. She'd been training coaches virtually for a while, but she was like, I want to train people in person. And I was like, I live right by her. I have to go to this. And I told my husband, I was like, I have no idea if I'm going to do anything with this ever. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not really an entrepreneur by nature but I really feel called to go to this class that she's teaching. And it was pretty expensive. And my husband is great and was like, all right, if you feel like you need to do it, we'll make it happen. And so I went through, and by the time I got through that class and just learned all the tools in so much more depth and learned a little bit about how to market a business, a coaching practice. And I just came out of there. Okay, now I'm going to do this. But again, it was never like, I'm going to have this big podcast. I'm going to have all these clients. I was just like, I'm just going to help some people. I think I know how to find some people to help. Okay. I just really took one step at a time and with a lot of hard work. I don't mean yeah. it was so easy. I just fell into this. It was right, definitely right. hard work, but, but really I just kept telling myself, all I have to do is keep marching forward. Just keep marching forward. I don't know how I'm going to get to, I don't even know what the end goal is. Just keep marching forward. Just keep marching forward. And with failure along the way too, that's fine. I failed now march forward. I love that. So I find, and I probably a cheesy phrase, but I love to, when a client is starting to, I say, pull out their crystal ball. So they're saying, well, they probably, I probably can't even get in. And there's traffic at that time of a day. And that class is probably pretty expensive. And I, my husband would probably say that that's not a smart idea. So yeah, I really guess that's not going to work. So you were basically, Basically, you threw the the crystal ball away and it's just one step at a time. Totally. I was like, I don't know. You're right. I don't know how I'm going to overcome that. I don't know what I'm going to do about traffic, but I know what the next step is. That's all I need to know. Here's the next step. I'm going to take that one. Then I'm going to see. Okay. I mean, so this is so fascinating too. If you think about, we want to know our brains like to know, right? We don't okay. like uncertainty. Yeah. We want to be able to predict, even if we know it's going to be hard, if we just know what the hard will be and when it will resolve itself, yeah, that feels so much safer to us. But what I teach my clients is that you can't possibly know because the way doesn't unfold itself until you get a little closer. Mm-hmm. Like you and I had no idea that Zoom existed, which is how yes. we're talking virtually right now. But yes. Two years ago, I didn't know it existed. And so I couldn't have predicted, well, the way I'll talk to Tony will be through Zoom. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, you just have to be willing to, all you need to know is the next step. Yeah. Can I tell you that? And I want, this is not about me, but I got to this point where I said, okay, I'm going to go back and get my master's in counseling and I'll just get it because I had waited for years where I thought maybe I should. And then I finally just said, you know, I'll get it and maybe I'll never do anything with it, but I need to at least start. And then once I got there and then you get into a practicum and you see clients and then, you know, you and I are now talking through zoom. So, right. And you're just like, Oh, okay. That's how. Yeah. Yeah. And then I love, I love what you're saying though, where then people will maybe say you've got a successful coaching practice and yeah, it's pretty easy for you. And and it's no, I took all these steps and risks and changes and yeah. Yes, for sure. So when you got the certification, what's the next step of you just open a shingle, you got a shingle and it's like coaching. Um, I started with a blog. 
Okay. I started writing a blog. I wasn't trying to be a blogger. I was just trying to get content out there to teach people what I know and to find people that might be interested in, in getting some coaching. Okay. So I wrote a blog for the first couple of years. I just told myself, this is again, what I had learned about building a business was that you need to be really consistent with your content. Yeah. So I published a blog post every week without fail even though I didn't always want to write it and they weren't all great, but I was just very consistent about publishing them and sharing them on Facebook. And, and so, you know, I started to get some people saying, I really like what I'm reading in your blog. I did some free coaching in the beginning. I just created basically a six week program. I was like, okay, I want to help women. My passion is, is helping moms who are stay at home moms who are overwhelmed and unfulfilled, but they don't necessarily want to go to work. They just want to be happy again. So I was like, these are the six sessions I would teach. This is how I would coach them. I created that program and then I reached out and I coached some people for free through it so I could just test it out and practice my coaching. Yeah. And from there, I was like, this is so good. Can now I start so, charging for it. Right. So. And, and I, lo- I think a lot of people assume that they aren't, I don't want to say I'm throwing judgmental statements out, but okay. it, it lets, that people go to this place where, well, I got to start making money or this isn't worth it. Or I've been doing this for two months and I'm not making any money. And I've been speaking at things for 20 years, youth conferences yeah. and churches and enrichment nights and whatever. Right. And, and, but and eventually it all, what comes together. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. I like to think of money as like, you're putting value out into the world and you're going to get value back in some way at some point, but it's not always going to be this linear. Like I worked this many hours and now I get paid or to your point, I I'll go speak at a church event anytime. I'm not going to get paid for that, but I know that's value I'm putting into the world. And it comes back to me in ways I never would have expected. I didn't, honestly, I didn't start making money in my business until I made a little, the first year I made no money. I basically even or spent money. Yeah. Second year I made a little bit of money. It was like, a jobby. Okay. <laughs> right? Like a job hobby. <laughs> I mean, I was serious about it. It wasn't that in my mind, but like financially, you'd have been like, that's cute. Made a little money, right? It yeah. wasn't until my third year that I really took off. And my husband and I were like, my husband's, like, whoa, you just passed up my income. Whoa, you just doubled my income. Wow. Whoa, I think I should quit my job and work in your business. <laughs> right. So, but that, so that happened in my third year. But I honestly think those first two years, I put so much value out into the world. My goal was like to help people and serve people. And I was strategic. Don't get me wrong. I was, I had a map of what I was building along the way, Uh but I was all for even now when I, when I go to sell something, I offer content to people for free. And the way I think about it is, okay, if I'm going to do that, let's say it's going to be a webinar. I'm going to teach something. I'm going to sell a program at the end. I think about that webinar, like that person who's going to come to this webinar and is not going to buy anything from me. This is the one chance I have to try to help them with this topic. What's Mm -hmm. the best thing I could teach them in this 45 minutes. Okay. And I create the, I create the webinar that way. And then at the end, I tell them why I think that if they're able to, and they want to, this program will help them so much. And it cost money, but I'm putting so much value in that. I honestly feel like it's just all catching up now in ways that I never had planned on. Yeah. Do you, well, so do you remember, do you remember those first few, the, the clients you worked with? Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. What was that? What was that like? I, do you remember your first one? Oh you my remember? gosh. I was like my first paying client. I remember thinking, this person should not be giving me money. I don't know what they're thinking. (laughs) I have no idea what I'm doing. Really? Like, it's so hard. You want to be confident. 
Yeah. You don't have anything to pull your confidence from, anything from your past. But what I did is I put my confidence in the tools. I knew that I had really amazing tools that I'd been taught. Mm-hmm. And so I told myself, these tools alone, I, I paid way more than this for these tools. These t- tools alone are valuable. And then this was really key, and I still have to do this. I had to remind myself, oh, this isn't about me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> right. Like, let me just show up and quiet all that drama in my own head about what are they going to think of me? And am I good enough? And let me just be present for them. Let yeah. me bring my tools. Let me engage with them. Tell my own brain to just be quiet. And that's really. And I apologize if you've already covered this topic. I did a, a podcast a couple of weeks ago on imposter syndrome. Are, are you, are you pretty familiar with that? No. Oh, okay. I, I highly recommend listening to that one because that was one of these where I've got a lot of feedback where people said, wow, I didn't realize that's, I've got a, somebody who is, I've been trying to get to come on and they were like, Hey, I just listened to your episode on imposter syndrome. And that's why I'm not coming on because the, <laughs> so the imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. So imposter, <laughs> and I have it all the time still where imposter syndrome is, I, I feel passionate about this and I feel, yeah, this isn't about me. I want to share guests like you and I want to share the tools I've learned from a decade on the couch and I want to help. I really do. Mm-hmm. And, and then in my every now and again, I worry that somebody's going to knock on the door here and they're going to say, Hey, we realize like all the stuff you're saying is actually dumb and uh, you're, oh, right. you're really not kind of helping many people. So oh, you right. close the laptop of your computer and, and you're done. <laughs> That's okay. enough. Can you yeah, stop exactly. now? Yeah. Do you ever have that? I mean, do you ever have that thought or those feelings? Oh, I, again, like I, because my confidence is in the tools. Yeah. I just feel like I know for sure those tools are so powerful. And so even me and all my shortcomings, I do get people that make comments like that. Like obviously no one can come in and shut my laptop, but I get people posting or commenting or emailing me about their opinions that I I don't know what I'm talking about or that I'm doing harm. I'm harming people in this Uh, way. I get all kinds of stuff and it's not that it doesn't affect me. It doesn't feel good. I, I mostly try not to read that. Them, but but overall, I do my own work. Yeah. On what do I believe? And I yeah. know that everybody like it's okay. I'm not for everyone. You have to like me. I just need to like me, and all of that. I do yeah. my. I really do my own work to um, not live in fear of that. If I don't, here's what happens when I don't. Because I've been, I've caught myself at times like thinking about that one negative comment that came yeah. in or yeah. the handful about a certain topic. And what I want to start doing is in my next podcast episode, I find myself starting to talk to those people. Absolutely. Yeah. I know what you're saying, right? Right. Yeah. And I, like I a little bit want to convince them or not want to defend myself. And then I realize, hold on, my podcast is getting like over a hundred thousand downloads a month, which is mm-hmm. amazing. And maybe a hundred of them, don't like what I have to say. Why am I talking to them? Why don't I talk to the other 99,000 that are getting a lot out of it? That's who I want to be talking to. So I have to, I have to do that work on my brain. Yeah. No, that's Uh, pretty good at it. I think the kids call them haters these days, right? Haters, right? right? Yeah. But, but that's if you, yeah, we're human and we can, but I, so I do a lot of work with trying to do mindfulness techniques. We got these Mm -hmm. core beliefs or values. And if the thought doesn't kind of jive with those, it's Mm -hmm. just one of the many thoughts that go through our head and let's move that one on through. Right. Yes. Still can be hard though. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I love that though. The tools you're actually helping me in this moment. Uh, So there's, have you ever done much looking into the concept of ego in general? 
I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people in my industry like to speak about the ego. Okay. You know, I use different words sometimes to describe it, but just that idea that there's, you know, maybe the natural man or the primitive brain or the part of us that lives in fear and thinks everything is about us. And yeah, yeah, totally. I love that. I heard, uh, and I, I think what you make me think of with this is I heard a, I was at a training and they talked about that ego will have a pretty negative connotation often because we think of ego with regard to power and absolute power and power and corruption and pride and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And this person was saying, if the ego is based in wanting change and good and help, it was like, hey, Mother Teresa had an ego and and Jesus had an ego and Buddha had an ego and Confucius had these things where it's like, it was to change. Ego's not bad, yeah. Right, yeah. So I think that's the part where sometimes my negative self-talk will say, who do you think you are? That kind of thing. Oh, right. Well, there's that kind of ego, like egotistical, whatever, thinking that you're better than everyone else, more pride, which I I think is how people think of that word. I think of it more like that part of you that's ultimate job is to keep you alive. Yeah. Yeah. And we need that, right? There's danger here. Let's watch out for that. Let's, let's be careful. So yeah, it's not a, definitely not a negative thing. It just needs to be in check. Yeah. Okay. So what are, do you have some, well, so going back through that, the, the, your progression. So you start doing some free coaching. Now you start getting some paying clients, the blog starting to pick up. What came next? Did you start doing more speaking? Did you do the podcast? What happened? Yeah, I, that is basically, so I started to get more and more one-on-one clients. My business was growing. I was figuring out the marketing and things. And then I decided to start a podcast. I had fallen in love with podcasts myself at that point. And and I can talk all day long. Talking is a lot easier for me than writing. Yeah. So there's some technology to figure out and all of that. But I just decided I'm going to stop blogging. I'm going to start a podcast as my content instead. Okay. So I started the podcast and I had my, the people that had been following my blog, I think started listening. So I had a few listeners in the beginning, but I, again, consistency was so key. Like I, I became pregnant at that point with my fourth child uh-huh. and, and I ha- I have published a podcast every week, including the week I had a baby. You did? So, <laughs> I always tell people it's totally doable. Was it before or after the, the birth? <laughs> It was after. It was okay. after. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I always tell myself, well, I could batch record them. I could record yeah. a whole month at one day. But of course, I never do that because I'm yeah. not very good at that. So I did. I was like, here, the baby's taking a nap. I'm going to sit down and talk to people for 20 minutes and publish it. Like it's. I love that. Anyway, yeah. so yeah. yeah. Hey, how hard is that though? Then when somebody is telling you, man, I, you don't get it. My life's hard or whatever. And you want to say, are you kidding me? I recorded a podcast two days after I had a baby, you know, right. is that difficult at times. I know that your, your tools and skill set are such that that's, I know that's not your style, but how right. hard is that on the inside? When I'm doing my job, I'm really neutral. I really keep myself out of it. Okay. So what I'm trying to do always as a coach is show people their own brains. Okay. So when they say to me, well, it's just so hard. I just don't have time. I have so much going on. In my mind, I know that's just a story they're telling themselves. But but what my job is to show them that it is just a story. It's not a fact. They think it's a fact. They're like, let me show you all the things I have to do. And so it, I really, it doesn't bother me in that sense. I just, I'm showing them that when you believe that story, here's what result you create in your life. And then I may bring in, I have a few things on my plate, but this yeah. is the way I think about it. And people do say to me all the time, oh, you're just so busy. You must be so busy. They try mm-hmm. to sell you that story. Yeah. They think it's kind and they're trying to be empathetic, which I totally appreciate but I don't ever buy it. I say, no, I'm just so lucky. 
Oh, I love that. Such a full life. Like busy. I'm so busy is not a useful story ever. And it's okay. always just a story. I love it. So if you want, you know, that maybe this will help people who are they I want to obviously send people your way that uh, are going to listen to this podcast. Cause I love that message. How do you do that? How do you show someone that story? How do you lay that out? So I have a coaching model. I put it into where we take a look at, okay, your thought is I'm so busy. Mm. And then how does that make you feel? Cause mm. our thoughts are creating our feelings. Yeah. And it makes us, it makes me feel overwhelmed usually, right? That thought. And then your feelings are the fuel for your action. So when you feel overwhelmed, what do you do or not do? And it's so fascinating how the brain works. When we're overwhelmed, what we want to do is shut down. Like I'm just, I think I should just go watch Netflix for a while. Yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe we start taking a little bit of action, but it's really painful. We're in resistance as we do it because the brain doesn't like to be overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And so we actually get less done when we believe that we're so busy. So I show them that. And okay, the result of that is your to-do list grows and you don't get to the things you want, which reinforces the original thought, I'm so busy. Mm -hmm. So I show them that and I help them really see that that's what you're creating for yourself. And then we'll move to what do you want to believe instead? So again, maybe we'll start with what do you want your action to look like or how do you want to feel or what result you want? But ultimately it has to come down to what story is still has to be a believable story. I'm not really big on positive affirmations and just trying to convince yourself. Like I have plenty of time because if you don't believe that your brain will just reject it and start looking for reasons to disprove it. But you find a thought like for me, I'm just so lucky. I have such a full life, but you have to find a thought that is more empowering. That's going to drive the action that you want. So it's that process that we go through in coaching. Okay. Do you, do you have, and I'm curious, do you have some kind of thoughts or stories or examples that you, that come to mind of some pretty dramatic change that you've seen? Yeah, I would say like where I love seeing progress, I've, I've seen some people make some great progress in their marriages in terms of the way they're thinking about their spouse. One client in particular, I'll share, she, her, she's a member of the LDS church, as a lot of my clients are, and her husband had left the church, decided he no longer believed it. And so she was struggling with what does our marriage look like now and just finding peace. And as I coached her through that whole process of what does she want to believe about her life, about her husband, about herself, about all of it. And and it's a process, but ultimately she recently sent me an email saying just, she's at so much peace um, to the extent she talked about going to visit. I think it was a relative who brought up this this situation where her husband no longer is active in the church. And she said, normally I avoid it and I, I want to be quiet. I don't want to talk about it. I'm kind of, it's uncomfortable. And she's, I didn't feel that at all. I was like, yeah, that's what he's chosen. And she's like, I just felt all this peace that I could be genuine and authentic and not have all this resentment. Wow. Like, really amazing work she did there. Yeah. So instead of her then shutting down and feeling trapped and stuck and all these other feeling things. Feeling like she has to defend or explain yeah. something. She just like, when you get to peace, it's like Byron Katie says, you don't have to love me. That's my job. Okay. Yeah. And and when you get to that place, it's okay for people to misunderstand me. It's okay for people to have judgments. We all do at times. I just need to be there for me. I need to love me and my life and my situation. And then I can handle all the rest of it. 
I love it. I think I'm, I'm hearing now that that theme because if we go back to you having confidence in your tools and the work yes. you're doing, and it goes back to um, when we hear these negative thoughts or opinions of others, why do we let it affect us so much, right? Yeah, I love helping. That's the other one that comes to my mind is just some women that, that I've seen their confidence go up so much. Okay. Because I remember as a new mom, I had this realization one day that people that are confident do well. They not only are they successful or whatever that means, but they also handle challenges better. Mm. And confidence is so useful and not to mention fun. Yeah. And I remember asking around like, now what if my kids are lacking in confidence? How do we teach confidence? How do we build confidence? Obviously it comes from like life experiences and right. And accomplishing something builds your confidence. But I'm like, what if I have kids that I want to help be more confident? And everybody I asked was like, I don't know. I'm not really sure how you give people confidence. Maybe you're just born with it, kind of. Maybe some people have it and some people don't. And so I remember thinking, no, there has to be a way. And anyway, the coaching tools have really shown me how to help people build confidence. And especially as adults, right? Where your brain isn't as neuroplastic, your your personality is a little more set. They feel like I'm just not a confident person. So to be able to help people build confidence helps them anything they do in life. And that I just love seeing that transformation. I love how we, when you even said that, listen to that's the story they're telling themselves, right? How long have they been telling themselves that? Yeah. Right. Hey, you mentioned the word fun. And I want to go with the, this is an interview. I love everything you share, but I, for uh-huh. people that are going to come here and learn more about you, because right. I know it's probably not. Let's talk about me. Exactly. Let's do it. Right. <laughs> so hobbies, what do you like to do? Oh my gosh. Hobbies. I, Used to be an avid runner. I've run a couple of marathons, but now not as much. But I do still enjoy uh, being active. And hey, what what uh, marathons did you run? I ran the St. George Marathon, and then I ran the San Diego Rock and Roll Marathon. Beautiful. Uh, You're like a triathloner, aren't you? Okay, so actually, I'm not that strong a swimmer, but yeah, no, I've run uh, I've run a couple hundred marathons and ultra marathons. So I've done the St. George one. I I had to get to ten times so I could get the T-shirt that says uh, I'm in the ten year club. Ten times. But it was funny. Yeah, I mean, but that's a beautiful, beautiful run, right? Oh yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. So you okay? A little bit of running. You like that? A little bit of of activity that way, and the gym or whatnot. At this point, is my new running. Honestly, I I used to sew since I started my business, I think my creative need is really met through all my marketing and everything. So I haven't done any of that in a while. If it's, if I have time and my choice, I'm like, let's just go to a movie. I just like hanging out with a group of people. I love, I'm definitely an extrovert. I love to be around people, just engaging with a group of friends. Um, My family and I will ski a little okay. bit. It's like hey, that. Can, I, can I do Tony's ADD moment for just a second? Yeah, here? do it. Hold on. When you said so... I just thought this was the coolest thing. Check this out. See this cute? So I have just a wonderful younger girl client and we were talking about things that bring up her, I I call it the emotional baseline Mm -hmm. so that she can be in this better position to respond to the things around her. And uh, she mentioned sewing. And I just done a training where this guy was talking about when you're working with uh, young boys, in particular teenage boys, they have this part of their brain that just wants to fidget and kick and whatever. And so he was talking about, man, if you were just playing catch in your office, that would satisfy, I think it's part of the limbic brain. And then they would in theory open up. But uh-huh. I tried that and not all kids are coordinated. So we're like knocking stuff over. So oh, the ball's like everywhere. Exactly. So then she said, and ironically, she said, I love to sew cubes. So I thought, there it is, cubes. Oh so then uh, she made me this cube and oh. so I've been throwing this bad boy around and uh, it's working. 
So that is so cool. I love that. Hey, you mentioned movies. I did a podcast on lying yesterday and, and I actually found some research on the top 10 movies that people lie about that they've seen. So I thought that oh, was really, yeah. So I um, to listen to that podcast. Okay. The number one was that uh, was the Godfather. So I don't know if you've ever uh, said I have that. not seen the whole thing. I've seen pieces of it. I okay. won't lie. No, okay. It's good. good. What kind of movie? What do you like? Are you a rom-com? Are you a comedy? Are you a thriller? What do you oh, like? I think that I love my favorite is like a chick flick comedy, like pick pitch perfect, but they don't make them very often. And they're often a little bit crass for my taste, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm like, can we get more of those and clean them up just a little? I, I do love comedy. I just think like laughing and let's just have fun. Even in my business, that's how I try to think about it. When my brain's like, this is so scary. How are you going to do that? I'm like, stop. Yeah. Like, this is just going to be fun. Okay. I'm going to uh, make it fun. Yeah, so, I, don't I mean, I love any, really anything where I'm sitting in a dark theater, especially if there's no little kids and I have a diet Coke, I'm happy. Okay. I was going to ask, are you a popcorn or no popcorn? <sighs> I used to eat popcorn, but I've really cleaned up my diet lately. So Okay, I feel judged because of my diet. There's no judgment whatsoever. I was a popcorn girl for many years. Oh, I just, I love it. I do. No, then I I love that kind of the movie. uh, What's your favorite date night with your husband? I would say, honestly, dinner with a small group of friends. I just love to connect with other adults. It's so rare when you have little kids that you get to do that without kids interrupting every minute. So just to go out with a small group and just hang out and visit is like my ideal. Okay. And my husband, of course. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Hey, tell me about, I pulled some stuff off of your website and one of those is this, uh, it's ask Jody anything. Tell me how that started and, and what's that about? Yeah. Well, that's anybody listening who wants to come is welcome to go there. So I, the podcast has just grown so tremendously and I'm so thrilled with how people are responding to it, but I get inundated with questions about, I love what you taught on there. I have this situation. What would you advise? And I used to try to answer those and I realized eventually I just couldn't do it. So I have that call. I do it about once a month. It's free, open to the public and people come and they pop their question into the chat box. So it's anonymous to anyone other than me. I can see their name if they typed in their name, but it's a a kind of safe environment for them. I get through as many questions as I can and I just answer them right there live on the call. So it's, I feel like it's so good because 10 people have the same question. Yeah. So I can answer it once, but also to hear other people, sometimes like other people ask the questions that we don't even think to ask. Sure. So it's just a really fun way for me to give a little, little bit extra on top of the podcast that's doable for me in my what's schedule. The, what's the, do you have the number one question you get asked or you get asked? I would say it's a lot of, again, marriage type stuff, mm-hmm. marriage questions, but also because I do the word mom is in the title of my podcast. Mm-hmm. A lot of women are coming to me saying, can you give me advice on how to teach this to my child? Oh. And I never do that. Actually. I always coach the mom. It's, it's like the manager saying, what do I do with this employee? Okay. And so rather than say, do this with your employer or, or try this with your child, I'll give them a little bit of some of that. But mostly I'm like, they'll say, this is just so heartbreaking. My child is full of self-loathing and I'm trying to teach her what you teach about confidence, but she's just not getting it. How do I help my child? And I always begin with, well, what? let's talk about why it's so heartbreaking. It's fine for you to feel sad for your child. I'm not trying to take that away, but is it really serving you to be so emotionally upset? How are you going to show up for your child? So I always coach them the mom 
I love it. That's not what I meant. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you had a, you had a podcast not long ago and I, yeah, I just did a podcast on that. And I really liked where you were talking about, sometimes it's just about, it's you feel uncomfortable with the situation. That, yeah, that was nice. Um, Sure. Yeah. Do you ever get some questions that are just ridiculous? Oh yeah. Yeah. Can you come to mind? Usually I just don't read them. I don't read them off because people can't see where they're coming in and I never get to all of them, unfortunately. Let me think, what are some ridiculous ones? I guess I feel bad because now somebody's going to say, wait a minute, I was going to ask that question. Apparently that one's ridiculous. (laughs) No, I love them. Like I honestly, like I'm really good at when I'm coaching, getting in the headspace of neutrality. Like it doesn't matter what people bring out me. I'm ready. I'm neutral. I'm looking for what's happening in your brain. Is sure. honestly what I'm looking for. So when I'm not coaching, I'm back to like my human self that has judgment and all that as much as I try not to. But in the coaching space, I'm generally looking for what are they, what's driving that problem for them. So like on a, on one of my coaching calls in my group program, once my sister helps me in my business a little, she's also a coach. Mm-hmm. And so she happened to be on the call and the woman presented with uh, my next door neighbor murdered his wife. Whoa. And that was the first thing she said. And I was just listening for, uh uh-huh, okay. And she says, then there's these children now that are left without a mother that I've been watching. And the whole thing she wanted coaching on was, I feel like I should adopt these children, but I don't really want to. And I, I don't know how to make this decision. And so that's what I coached her on was what was yeah. going on with the children making this decision. Well, after the call, my sister was like, I love how you're so in that space that somebody tells you their next door neighbor murdered their wife and you don't even react. Right. You're okay. Like, hey, tell me what else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I really do just turn on this part of my brain. That's like listening for what is her problem. It's not yeah. what she thinks it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So I have this cheesy phrase where I talk about, I want people to, the more open and honest they can be, obviously the better work we can do. And people are still hesitant to really open up. And I, I, I always say I have this little thing on my shoulder. That's the, Oh my gosh, oh meter. And I promise you, it doesn't even really move. This is good. I want all right. information, but I have always wondered before I, I have this uh, thought of someday I'm going to get the, Hey, I'm a serial killer. And, and, and because we have confidentiality, if it's in the past, and what I do with that. And if they're not telling right. me, they'll do it again. And so I haven't had that yet Seriously. though. So you've come closer to that than I have. Yeah. Oh no. And it was her neighbor. If somebody said that to me, I would be like, you need to call Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a therapist. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I just send all of those people to you. Yeah. And that part, my, oh my gosh, meter actually might go up a little bit. Not yeah, gonna... totally. Yeah. Yes. Of course I'm still human. I'm just like listening for certain things. So yeah. Hey, I have to, yeah. have you ever had, when you, have you been doing that call for a long time? I mean, do you ever have times where there aren't that flow of questions? Oh no, it's always, it's always packed. I haven't, I have probably been doing it maybe six months, not too long. Okay. Can I, that's my way to wedge a personal anecdote into your, do it. uh, it. I just, when you're saying that I will go, you know, speak at a lot of the firesides, things like that. Mm -hmm. And it will be, people will say, Hey, we're going to collect questions for you. And I was at a one once and I got all these three by five cards and honestly, the, there were a couple of statements. Many of them were blank. There was one about, Oh, your head's shiny. And so I had to, I was like, Oh, here's a good question. This person wants to know. And I was kind of making make them up. up. Yeah. I was going to say, you just make them up. When I first started doing webinars, I had that. I would be prepared with some questions in case nobody asked them. Yeah. yeah it happened. That's how everybody, it just happens. I think. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So this call, their next one is Thursday, March 22nd. Yep. Okay. 9 a.m. Pacific. And then what, what else? What other services do you offer? We were talking a little bit off the air of uh, 
the one-on-one is that you know, I don't do one-on-one coaching anymore because I got to a point where I had so much demand that I was going to have to just start charging a lot more and, or working all night. And, yeah. um, I didn't want to do either. And so I find that the group coaching is actually honestly, in many cases, even more powerful for people because hearing other people, hearing their situation, you're not in the midst of it. So you're not as emotionally attached to it. So you can still get the learning of the tool and see the real life application, but sometimes it's easier to apply when it it, to your situation, when you learn it through somebody else's experience. So I think the group coaching is just such a win for me and for my clients. It's less money for them to pay me. It's allows me to serve more people So anyway, everything I do right now is in groups, but I should say within... So I have basically an online program similar to the way you pay a monthly service at the gym. My clients pay me a monthly fee to come where I teach a class. We do live coaching calls. They have access to me online. They have access to a bunch of classes and tools I've created. So they pay that monthly fee to come in there and be in those calls and continue to learn and continue to get help. And so they come and stay as little or as long as they want to basically, Okay, Uh, which has been phenomenal for people. And then, so within that program, we do offer some more individualized or really small group help to members who are in there who say, I just really am going through this crisis right now. I really need a little more one-on-one. So I have coaches that work with me in there that will do some of that. Okay. But everything otherwise is through that program. And then I do some in-person events too. So I love doing the live events where I just teach everything at once and we do really in-depth coaching. And I try to give them all of my tools and make it a really um, inclusive experience. So is that where your training back in the corporate world, does that help when you're organizing a big event like that? I guess sure. that brings me some anxiety to think about that. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no. I Yes. I, I am a good teacher. I, I got my master's degree in adult education and training, and okay. I have a lot of experience doing that. And I just, I enjoy it. I'm good at it. Yeah. I, and when I first started working with moms, which I'm starting to work with a lot of other people now as well. But when I first started working with moms, I was like, we put on these great corporate retreats and people leave on fire and they're motivated. Yeah. They feel supported. They have new tools. You know who needs that? stay-at-home moms. Yeah. <laughs> and who doesn't get that? Stay-at-home moms. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to do that for the moms. Yeah. So I, I only do it once a year or so, but I try to create like an amazing, inspiring experience. And, and I think, uh, and I think where, yeah. And I, cause I love the speaking part. I think what I was even thinking about is I can't imagine the organization. Is that one of your strong suits of how we plan out? Well, all? I keep, no, I'm not okay. good at it at all, but okay. I keep it simple. I do. I keep it simple. We don't do elaborate decor or meals. Even if you're going to come and then you're going to go to lunch wherever you want. So I keep it really simple. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I don't love that organization either. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. No, that, yeah, it makes me feel better. And yeah, then yeah. We, we've already hit on the lunch thing. So that sounds like that. Was then I don't have to take complaints about lunch. They just go wherever they want. Yeah. Well, that's perfect. <laughs> do you have expansions? Is there going to be a bold new dad? Is there going to, are you heading, are you hoping to do this until you're a bold new grandma? What's the, right? the long term? Yeah, I really, I want to take the word mom out of everything because, because we are expanding, but also even as a mom myself, like I, 
I love being a mom and love my children, but I don't always identify with that title. I, like you go to the pediatrician and they say, okay, mom, you're ready. And I want to be like, but I have a name anyway. So I want to get that word out of there for a lot of reasons. I'm still going to keep focusing like I have, but we are starting to expand a little bit. I don't know what it will look like ultimately, but I do have visions of, I think I would love, I work with a lot of members of the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a pre-marriage class yeah. for engaged couples. I feel like every other church has that. I don't know why ours doesn't. There's a huge need for that. There really uh, is. Yeah. I think there's a great opportunity to work with some of our youth. I think there's opportunity to help the men in some way with whatever they're wanting. I think also to help return missionaries yeah. um, or before you go out on a mission, all of these tools I think are so useful in all those scenarios. So I, we don't have those programs at this point, but that is my long-term vision is to create programs for all of that. So that's wonderful. That is a lot to do. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> and, uh, and your whole attitude is uh, what a blessing to have this opportunity, right? For sure. I am like, pinch myself every day that I get to do this. It's fantastic. Hey, I've taken 50 minutes of your time. I really appreciate you taking the time, Jody. I really do. This was a blast. It really was. Oh, I'm so happy to do it and would love to have you come on my podcast too. I've been trying not to beg for that, but I would love to. (laughs) I would would love to have you come on. So I want to go listen to a couple more of yours just so that I can be picky about, Oh, I love this topic. Okay. You have a topic you're passionate about too, but yeah, I'll reach out to you and with a couple of time. Okay. That'd be great. I would love to anytime. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to hit stop on the recording, but if you can hang on one second, but uh, yeah, uh, Jody, thank you so much for taking the time and being here on the virtual couch. Thank you for having me. All right. Compressed emotions flying past Our heads and out the other end The pressure's up